Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. Today we have an old Blackfoot Indian tale called The Story of Scarface, and in the story of a young Indian brave who carries a bear's claw mark on his face, we find honesty, loyalty, friendship, courage, self-discipline, and much more in his attitude and bearing. It's a great lesson story. Story's legend, it is retold here by Amy Cruz. There lived once among a tribe of Indians a poor boy whose father and mother were dead, and who had no friends to take care of him. The kindly Indian women helped him as well as they could, giving him what they could spare of food and clothing, and shelter in the hard days of winter, and the men let him go with them on hunting expeditions, and taught him the Indian woodcraft, just as they taught their own sons. The boy grew up strong and brave, and the men of the tribe said that he was one day make a mighty hunter. While he was quite young, he met, on one of the hunting parties, a great grizzly bear, and fought a desperate fight with him, and at last killed him. But during the struggle, the bear set its claws in the boy's face and tore it cruelly, and when the wound healed, there was left a red, unsightly mark, so that he thereafter was called Scarface. The boy thought little of the disfigurement until he fell in love with the beautiful daughter of the chief of his tribe, and then when he saw all the handsome young braves dressing themselves in the splendid dress of the Indian warrior and going to pay court to this maiden at her father's wigwam, his heart ached very sorely because he was poor and friendless, and above all, because he bore upon his face the terrible disfiguring scar. But the maiden did not care for the finery and boastful talk of the young Indians who crowded round her, and each in turn, when he ventured to ask her hand in marriage, found himself refused. Scarface scarcely dared to approach her, but the girl often saw him as he went about the forest, and she felt that he was braver and truer than the other lovers who boldly sought her favor. One day, as she sat outside her father's lodge, Scarface passed by, and as he passed he looked at her, and his eyes showed the love and admiration that possessed him. A young Indian whose suit the girl had refused noticed the look, and said with a sneer, "'Scarface has become a suitor for our chief's daughter. She will have nothing to do with men unblemished. Perhaps she desires a man marked and marred.' "'Try then, Scarface, and see if she will take you.' Scarface felt anger rise hot within him against the man who thus mocked him. He stood proudly, as though he were a chief's son instead of a poor, common, disfigured warrior, and looking very steadily at the young brave, he said, "'My brother speaks true words, though he speaks them with an ill tongue. I go indeed to ask the daughter of our great chief to be my wife.' The young brave laughed loudly in mockery. Some other young men of the tribe came up, and he told them what Scarface had said, and they also laughed, calling him the great chief, speaking of his vast wealth and of his marvelous beauty, and pretending to bow down before him. Scarface took no notice, but walked away quietly and with an unmoved face, though in his heart he yearned to spring at them, as the great grizzly had sprung at him in the forest. But when he came down to the river, following the chief's daughter, who had gone there to gather rushes for baskets she was weaving. His anger died away. He drew near to her, knowing that if he did not speak at once his courage would leave him, for though she was so gentle and so kind, he trembled in her presence as the fiercest warrior or the most terrible bear could not make him tremble. "'Maiden,' he said, "'I am poor, and little thought of, because I have no store of furs or pemmican.' "'as the great warriors of the tribe have. 
"'I must gain day by day with my bow and my spear, "'and with hard toil the means by which I live. "'And my face is marred and unsightly to look upon, "'but my heart is full of love for you, "'and I greatly desire you for my wife. "'Will you marry Scarface and live with him in his poor lodge?' The maiden looked at him, and in her face he saw the love for which he asked. "'That you are poor,' she said. "'Matters little. "'My father would give me great store of all needful things for a wedding portion. "'But I may not be your bride, nor the bride of any man of the tribe. "'The great lord of the sun has laid his commands on me, forbidding me to marry.' The heart of poor Scarface sank at these terrible words, yet he would not give up hope. "'Will he not release you?' "'he asked. "'He is kind and gives us many good gifts. "'He would not wish to make us both miserable.' "'Go to him, then,' said the girl, "'and make your prayer to him "'that he will set me free from my promise, "'and ask him that I may know that he has done so "'to take the scar from off your face as a sign.' "'I will go,' said Scarface. "'I will seek out the bright God in his own land "'and beseech him to pity us.' So he turned and left the maiden by the riverside. Scarface started at once on his journey and traveled for many, many miles. Sometimes he went cheerfully, saying to himself, The sun god is kind. He will give me my bride. Sometimes his heart was sad, and he went heavily, for he thought, Maybe the sun god desires to marry her himself, and who could expect him to give up a maiden so beautiful? Through forests and over mountains he went, "'searching ever for the golden gates "'which marked the entrance to the country of the great god. "'The wild animals he met "'knew that this time he had not come out as a hunter to take them, "'so they drew near to him "'and willingly answered his questions. "'But not one of them could tell him "'where lay the sun god's land. "'We have not traveled beyond the forest,' they said. "'Perhaps the birds, who fly swiftly and very far, "'can tell you what you want to know.' "'Scarface called to the birds who were flying overhead.' "'and they came down and listened. "'But they answered, "'We fly far and see many things, "'but we have never seen two gleaming gates of gold, "'nor looked on the face of the bright god of the sun.' "'Scarface was disappointed, but he went bravely on. "'One day, when he was very weary, "'he met a wolverine and asked him the question "'he had asked so many times before. "'To his great joy, the wolverine answered, "'I have seen the gleaming gates,' "'and have entered the bright country of the Lord of the Sun. "'But the way to it is long and hard, "'and you will be tired indeed when you reach the end of your journey. "'I will put you on your way, "'and if your heart does not fail you, "'some day you will see what I have seen.' "'With fresh courage Scarface went on. "'Day after day he journeyed, "'walking until he was weary, "'and taking but short rest.' Each morning when he started, he had hoped that evening would bring him to the golden gates. And then one day he came to a great water, very broad and deep, so that he could not cross it. Now it seemed that his labor and weariness had been all for nothing, and he sat down on the shore of the great water and felt hope dying out of his heart. But very soon he saw drawing near to him from the other side two beautiful swans. "'We will take you across,' they said. "'Step on our backs.' "'and we will swim with you to the further shore.' "'Up started Scarface, joyful once again, "'and poised himself carefully on the backs of the two swans, "'and they glided across and landed him safely on the opposite shore. "'You seek the kingdom of the sun god?' they asked. "'Go,' 
"'Go then along the road that lies before you, "'and you will soon come to it.' "'Scarface thanked them with all his heart. "'He felt happier than he had done "'since he started on his journey, "'and he walked along with quick, light steps. "'He had not gone far when he saw lying on the ground "'a very beautiful bow and arrows. "'He stopped for a moment to look at them. "'These belong to some mighty hunter,' he thought. "'They are finer than those of a common warrior.' "'but he left them lying where he found them, "'for though his hunter's heart coveted them, "'Scarface was honest "'and would not take what was not his own. "'He went on, even lighter of heart than before, "'and soon he saw a beautiful youth "'coming gaily along the road toward him. "'It seemed to Scarface that a soft, bright light "'shone around as the youth stopped and said, "'I have lost a bow and arrow somewhere along the road. "'Have you seen them?' "'Yes, they lie but a little distance behind me.' "'said Scarface. "'I have but just passed them.' "'Thank you many times,' said the youth. "'It is well for me that it was an honest man who passed, "'or I should never have seen my bow and arrows again.' "'He smiled at Scarface, "'and the Indian felt great joy in his heart, "'and all the air seemed flecked with golden points of light. "'Where are you going?' inquired the stranger. "'And Scarface answered, "'I seek the land of the great Lord of the Sun.' "'and I believe it's very near.' "'It is near indeed,' replied the youth. "'I am Apaceritz, the morning star, "'and the sun is my father. "'Come, and I will take you to him.' "'So the two went down the broad, bright road "'and passed through the golden gates. "'Inside they saw a great lodge, shining and glorious, "'gaily bedecked with such beautiful pictures and carvings "'as Scarface had never in his life seen before.' At the door stood a woman with a fair face and bright clear eyes that looked kindly at the wayworn stranger. "'Come in,' she said. "'I'm Kokomikis, the moon goddess, and this youth is my son. Come, for you are tired and footsore and need food and rest.' Scarface, almost bewildered by the beauty of everything around him, went in, and Kokomikis cared for him tenderly, so that he soon felt refreshed and strong.' After a time, the great lord of the sun came home to the lodge, and he, too, was very kind to Scarface. "'Stay with us,' he said. "'You have traveled a weary way to find me. Now be my guest for a season. You are a great hunter, and here you will find good game. My son, who loves the chase, will go with you, and you will live with us and be happy.' Very gladly, Scarface replied, "'I will stay, great lord.' So for many days he lived with the sun god and Kokomikis and Apaceritz, and every morning he and Morning Star went hunting and returned at night to the Shining Lodge. Do not go near the great water, the Lord of the Sun warned them, for savage birds dwell there, who will seek to slay the Morning Star. But Apaceritz secretly longed to meet these savage birds and kill them, so one day he stole away from Scarface and hastened toward the great water. For a little while Scarface did not miss him, but believed him to be nearby. But after a time he looked around and couldn't find his companion. He searched anxiously, and then a terrible fear came into his heart, and he set off as fast as he could toward the haunt of the dead birds. Horrid cries came to his ears as he hastened on, and soon he saw a crowd of the monstrous creatures surrounding Morningstar, and pressing on him so closely that he could use his weapons to little purpose to defend himself. Scarface feared to lose an arrow, but he dashed in among the hideous creatures, taking them by surprise, so that they flew off in all directions. Then he seized Morningstar and hurried him back to the forest to safety. 
When they returned to the lodge that night, Apaceritz told his father of his own disobedience and the courage of Scarface. The great lord of the sun turned to the poor stranger. "'You have saved my son from a dreadful death,' he said. "'Ask of me some boon, that I may repay you. "'Why was it that you sought me here? "'Surely you had some desire in your heart, "'or you would not have traveled so far and fared so hardly.' Now all the while he had been at Shining Lodge that the thing he had come to ask had been ever in Scarface's mind. Many times he had thought, The hour has come when I may speak. But because it was so great a boon he craved, his heart failed him, and he thought again, I will have patience just a little longer. It is too soon to beg so great a favor of the God who has already been so kind to me. But when he heard the words of the sun god, so graciously spoken, he took courage and replied, "'In my own land, O mighty lord, "'I love a maiden who is the daughter of the chief of my tribe. "'I am only a poor warrior, and as you see, "'I am disfigured and hideous to look upon. "'Yet she of her goodness loves me, and would marry me, "'but for the reverence in which she holds your commands laid upon her. "'For she has promised you, O great lord, "'that she will marry no man. "'So I came to seek you and hope that you would free her from her promise "'that she might come to my lodge, and we might live in happiness together.' Then the sun-god smiled, and he looked kindly upon the Indian, who spoke bravely, though in his heart he trembled. "'Go back,' he said, "'and take this maiden for your wife. Tell her that it is my will she marry you.' And for a token, he passed his hand before the Indian's face, and immediately the disfiguring scar vanished. "'Tell her to look upon you, and see how the Lord of the Sun has wrought upon your face.' They loaded the Indian, scar-faced no longer, with gifts, and changed his poor clothes for the rich dress of an Indian chief. Then they led him out from the country of the sun, through the golden gates, and showed him a short and easy path by which he could return to his own land. He traveled quickly, and soon was at home once more. All his tribe came out to look at the richly clad young brave, who walked with such a quick, light step, and looked so eager and happy. But none knew him for Scarface, at whom they had mocked and jeered. Even the chief's daughter did not recognize him when she first looked upon him. But a second look told her who he was, and she called his name then, realizing that the scar was gone, and remembering what its disappearance meant. She sprang toward him with a cry of joy. The story of his wonderful journey was told, and the chief gladly gave his daughter to this warrior on whom the great sun-god had looked with favor. That same day they were married, and the chief gave his daughter a splendid wigwam for her marriage portion. There the two lived happily for many years, and Scarface lost his old name and was known to all the tribe as Smoothface. We'll return with our second story right after these sponsor messages. And now, For Want of a Horseshoe Nail, adapted from James Baldwin. This famous legend and rhyme are based on the demise of England's King Richard III, whose defeat at the Battle of Bosworth Field in 1485 has been immortalized by Shakespeare's famous line, A horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. The story is a nice foil for King Alfred and the Cakes. It reminds us that little duties neglected bring great downfalls. King Richard III was preparing for the fight of his life, an army led by Henry, Earl of Richmond, was marching against him. The contest would determine who would rule England. The morning of the battle, Richard sent a groom to make sure his favorite horse was ready. Shoe him quickly, the groom told the blacksmith, 
"'The king wishes to ride at the head of his troops.' "'You'll have to wait,' the blacksmith answered. "'I've shooed the king's whole army the last few days, "'and now I've got to go get more iron.' "'I can't wait!' the groom shouted impatiently. "'The king's enemies are advancing right now, "'and we must meet them on the field. "'Make do with what you have.' "'So the blacksmith bent to his task. "'From a bar of iron he made four horseshoes. "'He hammered and shaped and fitted them to the horse's feet. "'Then he began to nail them on. "'But after he had fastened three shoes, "'he found he did not have enough nails for the fourth. "'I need one or two more nails,' he said. "'and then will take some time to hammer them out.' "'I told you, I can't wait,' the groom said impatiently. "'I hear the trumpets now. "'Can't you just use what you've got?' "'I can put the shoe on, but it won't be as secure as the others.' "'Will it hold?' asked the groom. "'It should,' answered the blacksmith. "'But I can't be certain.' "'Well, then, just nail it on,' the groom cried. "'And hurry, or King Richard will be angry with us both.' The armies clashed, and Richard was in the thick of the battle. He rode up and down the field, cheering his men and fighting his foes. "'Press forward! Press forward!' he yelled, urging his troops toward Henry's lines. Far away, at the other side of the field, he saw some of his men falling back. If others saw them, they too might retreat. So Richard spurred his horse and galloped toward the broken line, calling on his soldiers to turn and fight." He was barely halfway across the field when one of the horse's shoes flew off. The horse stumbled and fell, and Richard was thrown to the ground. Before the king could grab at the reins, the frightened animal rose and galloped away. Richard looked around him. He saw that his soldiers were turning and running, and Henry's troops were closing around him. He waved his sword in the air. "'A horse!' he shouted. "'A horse! My kingdom for a horse!' But there was no horse for him. His army had fallen to pieces, and his troops were busy trying to save themselves. A moment later, Henry's soldiers were upon Richard, and the battle was over. And since that time, people have said, For want of a nail, a shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, a horse was lost. For want of a horse, a battle was lost. For want of a battle, a kingdom was lost. And all for the want of a horseshoe nail. Thank you for joining us at 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. This is your host, John Hagedorn. We love reviews, and we do have a few recent ones for you. The first one, five stars. Wow, I need to step back to reality. Amazing storytelling. Hi, I'm Artist Arvey. Your channel is a big help for me. I'm an artist, and every time I do big murals, your podcast helps me go through the long process with your amazing storytelling. My imagination is pumped up. Thanks. That one from Artist Arby, Apple Podcast, Philippines. And this one, wonderful, five stars. I love listening to these on walks, a change of pace from all the depressing podcasts discussing the current state of the world. That one from SJSNWW, Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one, love it, five stars. Who has time to read? I don't, but I have time at work to listen to short stories, at least one, sometimes two or three. Very happy I found this. That one from Renee955, Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one's super, five stars. This is one of my favorite podcasts. There's a lot of material, so it's okay to binge it, and I listen to it when I mow or drive. The stories are fantastic and well-chosen. That one from Here Family 5, Apple Podcast, U.S. 
And this one, Brown Wolf, five stars. Dang, John, that was great. Thank you. Down from Market Pop, Apple Podcast. And this one, excellent, five stars. Excellent short stories to pass the time. Narration is wonderful and engaging. Highly recommended. Down from Glitter, Apple Podcast, Great Britain. And this one, you're the best, five stars. You have the best podcast ever, John. That one from Kepidev, Apple Podcast, India. And this one, intelligently read, five stars. Close your eyes and travel to another place and time. Down from DWJB, Apple Podcast, U.S. Thank you all so very much for taking the time to write these reviews. They do help other people find us, and we appreciate that. Join us again next week, Sunday night, for more great classic short stories. Thanks for joining us. This is your host, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. Everyone stay safe, and we'll be back soon.